Now back to Fitz and Brooks with Rod here in San Francisco and Fitz live from Vegas for Warriors Summer League Hoops and maybe some blackjack poker roulette or craps as well on the Sports Leader. I tell you what, I am not playing poker, Rod, with one Robert Myers. <laughs> I mean, if you shake this guy's hand, you got to count your fingers when you're done because uh. let's see, I have no cap room, I have no draft picks, I have nothing to trade. And yet you pull off like the off season of the century. I mean, this is you got a number one pick, you filled in your backup five spot, you got a power forward with bulk, your backup one spot, you move twenty four million dollars to Utah. I mean, are you wearing a ski mask when you walk around <laughs> Summer League here? I mean, what oh, happened? Oh man, that God. was brutal. I mean, this is uh, say it like that. It sounds pretty good. It does sound pretty good. Actually, <laughs> I didn't package it well enough. No, hey, Rod, I, I I told Bob I was going to give him a problem for the Serpico beard, uh, but, he, but, he, but he hit a razor on me. So yeah. <laughs> It's too hot out here. It is too hot. Oh, man. Hey, hey, hot. Hey, Bob, let me ask you this. If the Warriors had not made the playoffs this year, do you think you would have had the, the offseason that you are in the middle of currently having? Would you have no. been able to get the guys you got? No, I don't think so, Rod. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think we could have gotten Iguodala for one, for two reasons. He he had many choices as to where he could go play, and actually he got offered more money than we even offered him. So I think it would have been really hard to kick it off with a guy like Iguodala. And then separately, I don't even know if we hadn't exactly played them in the playoffs because by mm-hmm. playing Denver, mm-hmm. he got a sense of what, what our team was about. What, what the our building coaches, was like. Right, what Oracle was like. I mean, anybody that was in attendance or around that playoff series, and people even that weren't a part of it, I got commented on so many times just being around NBA fans coming up and saying, and even fans from, from different organizations and being around the country saying that was the one series, that was the one team I wanted to follow, which was the Warriors, whether it was us against the Spurs or Denver. For some reason, um, we were playing a brand of basketball that people wanted to watch, yep. an entertaining style. And I think even NBA players took note, and Iguodala being one of them. So I don't think if we did what we did, Rod, we would have had a chance to acquire a player like him. And then, look, I've known Jermaine a long time, and he had options, too. I can't really talk about that sure. guy specifically. But um, players. You were talking about Jermaine, yeah, Tito, yeah, Michael Jackson. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> a lot of Jermaine. Exactly. But in any event, <laughs> oh, uh, players want to go where they can win. And go. I think it's one thing where we had to sell Carl Landry last year. We met with him in Vegas about a year ago, and we said we were going to win. And he looked at us, uh, myself and coach, and kind of said, well, that sounds pretty good, but you haven't won in a long time. Right. And why would I take your word for it? Ultimately, he did. Um, but this year we don't have to actually sell it as mm-hmm. much. We did it. So I think you're right, Rod. Winning allowed us to uh, negotiate with a little more room, a little more leverage, and pull off some things we, we probably wouldn't be able to do. Well, the reason, the reason I asked that question, because of the obvious importance of winning, just in terms of what that means to your team, to the fans, you know, monetarily to the, the franchise, but also when it comes to free agency, you get guys – who want to come to play for you because it's a winning situation. And you just mentioned it with, with, with Andre. He took less money than he could have gotten in other places. So, and, you, and we've been talking about this all day that, you know, as a franchise who you're trying to get to a certain place, you're trying to get on an ascending track, you do have to overpay for free agents. You didn't have to do that this time. Yeah, and then, you know what, Rod? I think that's it's something that an organization always strives for. And the way I characterize it is you have to be able to win the ties. High-end organizations like the Lakers of the past, now the Heat, the Knicks, if the Warriors of old were offering $5 million for a player, mm-hmm. the Lakers, the Knicks, some of these teams could come in at $4 million and secure the player. And certainly, if they were equal money, they would win that tie, always. Um, so we 
hope we've now entered uh, an era where at least we can win ties. And look, the, the best place to be would be a place where we were with Iguodala, where we even offered less, mm -hmm. and he decided to come. Um, so yeah, it's it's part of winning. It's part of changing how the, the brand of the organization starts with ownership. And uh, free agents in the NBA, one player can do a lot. It's different than other sports because uh, in baseball, it's it's a pitcher. You're playing, you're, you're pitching, and, and you're, you are playing some defense if you're a hitter. But no other sport besides, I think, basketball, maybe maybe hockey, are there. Every player's a two-way player, mm -hmm. and in a player like Iguodala, you got a guy that's just as known for his defense as he is his, his offense. Right. So one player can really change the makeup of your team. So free agency is very important in the NBA. Also, to Iguodala, think about this, Bob, and I know you have. David Lee, Harrison Barnes, Iguodala, and Clay. At the 2-3-4 spot, you got 144 minutes of playing time. If those four guys were equal, it would be 36 minutes a night. I already talked to guys that say, man, mid-30s, we'd be a better team. We'd be fresher. It gives Mark Jackson more options. That's something people don't realize. When you have to play your main guys 40-41 and you're running them into the ground because you don't have depth, you have depth now. You've given your coach a whole bunch of different options. You can go pachyderm size with a Spates and Bogan and other guys. You can go long and lean with David and Harrison and things like that. I mean, this team can beat you a couple different ways now. Yeah, Bob, that's a good point. And, and, uh, See, Rod, he said it was a good point. How about well, that? Well, average down. point. <laughs> <laughs> Just got downgraded. Uh, not a great point. <laughs> um, no, you know what, Bob? I think um, that makes a lot of sense. And if you remember back to the Spurs series, as old as they are. They're deep. They were deep, and they were fresher, to be honest. We were the banged-up team in that series. Yeah. I think if we would have been a little healthier, we could have given them a, at least a game seven, possibly. But Curry was really on one leg. Bogut was struggling. David Lee got injured, I think, in part because his minutes were so high during the regular season. He went into that Denver series pretty banged up. Uh, Harrison was fatigued. Clay played, I think, what? Fest Festus had Festus surgery. knee surgery. Yeah. So I think uh, Clay played 58 minutes in the first game of the Spurs series. That's not going to happen uh, with, with this team. And the, and the other thing is, is in the front office and the coaching staff, you're constantly worried about um, injuries and things like that. Mm -hmm. Now you don't feel like you have to push through them as much, if, if, whether it's Harrison, Clay, Curry, Iguodala. Hey, I'm a little banged up. You know what? Sit this one out. Right. Don't, don't, don't overdo it at the risk and at the expense of going into the playoffs, hopefully, banged up. Uh, and so you're right. That's a good point. And there's plenty of minutes to share. Give us uh, a little housekeeping here. Tell us about Bogut. Tell us about David in terms of where they are health-wise. Rod was asking a good question yesterday with Jerry West as far as what, what do you want from Bogut this summer because it's not a surgical recovery summer as it was a year ago. Yeah, Bob, the best thing that I think uh, Bogut is, uh, is actually getting to deal with this offseason is no surgery, and he's just going to build on what, what he did last year. So he's finally had an offseason where he hasn't had a procedure done. Uh, his ankle obviously was swollen at the end of the year, but he feels great. Talked to him uh, about a week ago, and he said his ankle was responding well. He was doing a lot of different things. Um, and so he's, he's out in Australia now. He's got his own gym, own facility out there. We're going to send our head trainer, Johan Wang, out there to Croatia because Boga goes to Croatia, I think, at the end of uh, this month. So we're going to go visit with him, make sure he's doing well, and then he'll come back in September. But all indications are he'll be 100% coming into camp, which is huge, which is huge. And I don't know that he, you want Bogut being a 40-minute guy. Hopefully he's around 30 next year. He is, uh, in my opinion, possibly uh, the most important piece because when he's in the game, it just changes the whole, whole makeup of a game. I mean, it's certainly defensively. But just the screens he sets to free up Curry, a lot of people don't notice the little nuances of what he brings offensively and the screening and the passing. And then David, 
David uh, is in Vegas now. I think yeah, you said you saw, saw him last, last night. night. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's walking, moving around fine. He's being cautious with it, but there's no no reason to believe he won't be ready for training camp as well. All right, so, Rod, uh, we're going to have fun with Bob here, and he'll play along, I know. When you represented guys, <laughs> the, uh, the elixir that they have at certain places, it's on the top shelf. It's called last year of your contract. Oh. And, and guys that uh, yeah. have little sips of that, they really seem to play well in the last yeah. year of their contracts. Do you know why that is? No, no, no indication. <laughs> it's a complete you know mystery. I knew, Bob? This is Rod. This is how I knew it was the last year of the deal. I got a lot more phone calls. Yeah, year. you did. A lot more. Hey, can you get I up to my game? I love you, Bob. How are you? Well, yeah. Hey, hey, don't you think you should meet with the GM of the team? I mean, did you see my line last night? So, it's um. Look, I mean, uh, but now you're so, on the other side. I mean, you you you're a GM and you yeah. know how the game works. So how do you take your your knowledge from your days as a player agent, transfer that to you now being a GM and use it to your I guess advantage? I would say Rod that worrying about your next year never makes you a better player. Right. I, I that would be my advice. That was my advice to the clients either worrying about it, stressing about it never improves your performance on the floor. Mm-hmm. So what I would tell guys is it's a long season. If things weren't breaking right entirely, it's a long season. Uh, keep your reputation intact. Yeah. Don't become somebody that is out in the media commenting on minutes or playing time because that's one surefire way of yep. uh, der- eroding your value mm-hmm. um, in the NBA. Keep, be a good soldier. Uh, you know, Go do everything you can before or after practice, and good things will happen. And then also I would tell guys don't burn the bridge within your own organization mm-hmm. because you always want to be a player that – your, the own organization wants you back because what happens is if your own organization has no interest in bringing you back, it sends a subtle message to the rest of the league in regards to what, what's going on with this guy and why don't they want him back. Now, obviously, if it's a situation where you can't pay him and he makes quite a bit more somewhere else, that's a little different. That means the player made out well and obviously he's happy. But if you're out there saying to the other GMs, um, hey, look, you, you know, you can, we're not bringing that guy back. Um, that doesn't bode well for a lot of players. So you tell them to you know, keep, keep doing what they're doing and, and keep their uh, head down, and usually good things will happen. Uh, take me through one of the unfun parts of being a GM in that summer is the silly season where everybody with a laptop can create or fabricate trades and signings and stuff that just, just are factually aren't true. Yeah. And if you're a GM, it's almost like, you know, hey – do I respond to this stuff and give weight to goofiness? Do I, behind the scenes, reach out to the players themselves and say, look, we're not involved in this stuff? How do you handle that? Because I read a few things, and I, you know, I, I make a few phone calls <laughs> to find out, right. but, but most fans can't do that. Yeah. And, and players are human beings, and they don't want to feel like, you know, hey, I thought I was a part of what we're right. doing, and now I'm not. I mean, how do you handle all that well, stuff? Well, I would ask you guys. I mean, I'm, I, I would ask the public because, to me, the issue in the media, and a lot of it is with Twitter, is how, how accountable are some of these reports? So, Bob, when you or Rod, when you look at the media, when you're reading the media, do you how much? What percentage belief do you put in it? Do you put an 80 percent, 50? I mean, to me, I don't know. You know I'm not going to speak for Rod. I'll let him speak in a second. Is that you know I look at it as a Mark Stein yep. or Sam Amick or you people consider the source credibility. as usual. Right. I know they, you know, but when I say see people, oh, I have a source. Well, I know you, and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of yeah. where I where I put it. What do you think, Rod? Uh, I mean, it's – oh, man, I kind of hold my nose and go, okay, this could be about 25%, 30% true. But, if, <laughs> but if, if it's not backed up with the guy 
that I either know or know of. So I'm right. I'm, I'm talking about our man Mark here, or if it's Marcus right. Thompson, right. Uh, you know, right. you know, with you guys, right. or you know, Adrian Wojnarowski, right. Sam Amick. Right. Right. If I don't, if those names are not attached, then yeah. I don't even bother with it. If it happens, yeah. it happens. Most time, it doesn't, so I don't worry. Well, I would, I would tell you this um, to both of you: when you see a lot of these reports, actually, when this past free agency, we were obviously we were doing a lot of work. I had no time, and I don't think anybody had any. I certainly didn't um, to look at what was being reported in the media. Right. So right. if something came right. to me from an agent or a player that said, "Hey," can you call me or hey i heard this if it was coming to me where somebody was concerned then i'd pick up the phone and call that agent or player mm-hmm. i was a little bit proactive because i heard rumblings that some some of our name players names were out in the media and i wanted to dispel that but i only dispelled that privately i didn't we didn't call the reporter and say hey by the way you yeah, got that wrong right. you don't it's have time worth, for that not worth it um but but if it is a player that is uh, erroneously being mentioned in a trade or something like that i'd, I'd make it a point to call that guy and say look first of all that's not true second of all Nobody's untradeable. It's a business. Right. Just calm down, you know. But but that's but the twenty-five, thirty so percent part. There. Exactly. But but I mean, guys, everybody knows. I mean, uh, how many players in the NBA stay on their same team, never get traded? I mean, five yeah. percent, or I don't know what it has in other sports. So you never want to say something you can't back up. But at the same time, most of the things that are reported, um, at least in our case well, recently, we're, we're, we're not accurate. Hey, hey, put it this way, and it's easy to bash on ESPN because, well, it's ESPN and it's easy. But if ESPN is being breathless about it, whether it's on television or on ESPN.com, chances are it's not true. Well, I would say this too, guys. I mean, I've heard from a lot of these reporters, whether it's the local guys or national guys, there's a lot of pressure not to be right, but to be first. first. Yeah. yeah. And I understand I that the, for a fact. these guys have uh, – it's a very difficult job. I have a lot of respect for their work ethic and how hard they go about reporting the news, and a lot of people rely on the news. Mm-hmm. But when you're being told that your primary objective is to be first, and your not, secondary right. objective is to be right, that's an issue, that. right? And yeah. that, that people just need to understand that. And, yeah. that, and then when you understand that, um, it, it makes you realize and, and, and take what you see and hear a little differently. Uh, tell us, and we can backtrack because it's done, but being in the, the Dwight Howard conversations, I take that as if there's talent anywhere, the Warriors are going to be going after it. Good, bad, or indifferent, you want to be at the table. You've always told me that. Like Before, the Warriors could never get a seat at the table, or it was a holiday and they were at the kids' table. <laughs> right. Now you're at the big table. <laughs> right. it is, but being in, in those things, um, interesting, fun, different. I mean, you know, tell, yeah. tell, tell people I mean, you what, know, what you can. Well, no, I'll tell you what. I mean, fun is probably the wrong word. I mean, because fun would mean it wasn't I – mean, there's pressure in, in what you do when you work for an organization and you feel like you're a little bit of a steward to the public and – you don't have a problem that Rod and I didn't want the Warriors to get to my power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love Bob. I hope yeah. it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know what? A lot of pressure um, to be at that table, um, but with that comes responsibility. But our mantra and our objective within the organization, starting from Joe Lacobon down, is we're trying to get better every minute, every hour, every day. Okay. So if that means there's an opportunity to look at something that makes your team better, you're going to look at that. That doesn't mean you're going to pay the price to acquire whatever that is. But it means you're going to look. It's irresponsible not to look right. at players. Um, that being said, you have to balance that with how those things are portrayed within your own team, chemistry, the fragility of chemistry. Uh, but I will tell both of you guys, a lot of people said, are you done now, Bob? Is this, are you guys done? No. You're I mean, never going to be Something could done. happen right now. Yeah, you're never going to be done. I mean, you, you don't just all of a sudden say you're done trying to make your team better. We didn't win a championship. And look, even the Heat are probably trying to do things to make their team better. So you're always trying to work towards it. And just that, that's kind of how we approach 
any 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 chance to get our team better. Was the sticking point that the Lakers wanted Fitz and Brooks, and you were unwilling? No, we would have traded you guys <laughs> in one second. No, hey, listen, I don't go in a package. Rod, deal, I bro. offered you all around the league. It would have taken six firsts <laughs> to move you. I had first going out to 2025. <laughs> nobody, no interest. Bob, wait, just a half dozen of them? Wow. Yeah, right. yeah. I guess he had a good year last year. Rod, I'm going to let Bob go with this one. I, I think you know you don't play it up a lot. But a local guy that was a Warrior fan that is highly competitive. See, I think because you handle the media and you're smooth and you're a lawyer and you're smart, people don't realize you grind. Like <laughs> like playoff games and regular yeah. season games, like yeah. it matters to you. You take it home, and you are constantly like, how can we incrementally get better all the time? I think fans need to know that's kind of who you are. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I, I, mean, I think um, – Maybe it's because of walking on at UCLA. There's a lot of things in my life that have taught me that hard work pays off, and that's just how I approach the job. And, and being competitive, I, I view comp, having that competitive element in your in yourself. Either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Either get pit, you know PO'd when you when you when you lose at Monopoly or you don't. You either want to win in ping pong or you don't. And so it's inside of me, and it's inside of Jerry West, inside of Joe. Uh, that's the culture we're trying to breed in our organization. We've got a head coach that's ultra competitive. We play pickup games with our coaching staff. It's, it, it gets somewhat violent at times. But um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's just who I am. Um, it actually makes the job a little harder because you care too much. But um, I think it makes you better at your work if you're competitive within it. Yeah, Rod and I are not competitive. Which no, you guys just hang out. We mail it in all the <laughs> time. Thanks for stopping by. Man. All right, guys. It. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Rod. That is Bob right, Myers, the GM of the Warriors.